You gotta get your head in the mind zone. In the mind zone? The is mind, that like the cool zone? The mind combat zone. I don't actually know what the cool zone even is. <laughs> I think it's referencing like an autonomous community, like the auto zone, autonomous zone. And it's just the idea that it's like a place without police. How's that supposed to be? I don't think that's what it is. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure... No, I'm pretty sure that's what the meme is referencing. It's just like the the place where there's no police around because the protests have like, I think taken it... over. Can I have the blanket? And you can Thank have you. the blanket. Um, I just think it's like a meme where there's a thing and it says cool zone here. And then someone's like, we're entering the cool zone. And then it's one of those things that infects your brain and drives you crazy. And then you just keep saying it in your head like I do. And I, when I want to describe what I feel when it's just like, you're in the cool zone. Specific zone. zone. What's B zone? Is it related to the C zone or the no, A zone? No, the zone. Oh, the zone. Oh, you're yeah, in the zone. In, okay. When you're in the zone. Why are we talking about this? Because <laughs> it's what it's like now. It's a very yeah. weird. It's a really weird state. We haven't like you and I. Yeah, Australia is a weird state, huh? You and I have not really lived through a period of time that's this uncertain um i mean yeah i, think I mean we both looking, like you lived at... through 9 11 you know yeah, i was alive i didn't remember don't, that time. don't dox me um <laughs> don't dox my what point i became sentient um i just mean like yeah but that was like a an inciting incident but it wasn't like a culmination of forces like this is. Yeah, I mean, there was. I mean, for us, there was also like the. There's been a couple of like heavy moments of activism in Australia, but I don't think any of them ever like had any power but because or went anywhere. This one know. is. This was bigger than Invasion Day. And that's oh, saying yeah. something, because I was at the last Invasion Day rally here in Melbourne, and the streets, they were fucking packed. Um. I was there with a, a friend, and we were just, like, walking down the street, and we were like, oh, shit, yeah, it's Invasion Day, and we saw everyone walking past, and the crowd was so big, we couldn't even join in, or we would just be squished and, like, thrown, like, through the crowd. Um, we were both having, like, a panic attack. But, like, that's that's how huge it was. It was, you know, it was covering, like, from building to building all throughout the streets in, like, the centre of Melbourne. Like, we were heading to Flinders Street Station. And, like... This was bigger, you know, and that's, that's saying almost 37,000 people were expected to turn up. I don't know what the actual numbers were in the end. Now, for our foreign listeners in the internationalist core, right, inv- Invasion it, Day is... Invasion Day is basically the Australian equivalent of, like, July 4th or Columbus Day, and it's... it's it, Columbus it's, Ohio Day. Yeah, it's literally... <laughs> it's it's named Australia Day officially. It's our national holiday, but it's the, the date... Australia Day. Australia Day. It's the date that, like, uh, the first fleet landing here, I'm pretty sure, but that marks the beginning of a genocide across the co- a continent, you know? First fleet, first fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> where oh, the fuck started. No, I don't want to think of that. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I don't know what they... I don't want to know what they're up to. Um, But, like, that's... Oh, the, you mean, well, you don't. None of us do want to know no, what no, our racist know, history, though. but we, we should know. We should know. Exactly. Like, yeah, I've looked into it, and it's horrible. Oh, yeah, there's, I mean, like, the I, the history of not just the first Australian landing. Matthew Flinders in general, and, like, Yeah, but yeah, also just of... Captain of, Cook, too, was Because it also had been, like, Dutch voyages that had travelled the coast of Australia. Um, there were, like, fishing, ex- like, European fishing trawlers and um, whaling ships in the area. Yeah, like um, the... that, and they had a lot of contact with the indigenous people, and it was pretty uniformly uh, didn't go well for the, you know, here the Aboriginal people, you know, when Maori people were encountered at Torres Strait Islanders, like, you know, it's like, yeah, from the start it's been very bad, and then the very bad things just became every to, day to get across the extent of like genocide in Australia. We literally had a war called the Black War. 
You don't call a war the Black War unless it's a war. I mean, war that's the kind of thing he would name black it. People. But, well, like, no, it was because a, it was kind because, of fucked. Like that's, that would also be the name of something like Upper New Urals or something. It would be like a very niche like conflict oh, between like, anarchists yeah, or like or... the Black Army or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like it was, it, it was not just a ongoing genocide, but like as people were quote unquote discovering the land and staking claims and stuff, they were just committing eg- egregious amounts of. Um, like massacres and stuff yeah. with like local populations. It was. I huge. mean, like as I was saying with the yeah with the you know commercial sort of not explicitly colonization yeah. you know forces, but commercial forces. Yeah, they would come ashore. They would abduct women, rape them. You know, um, you know, and would obviously fight back against anyone who yeah. tried to stop them. You know, like it's for, from the start been a pretty bad fucking deal. And for for those foreigners that are unaware, like people kind of here, like, white people here kind of put this indigenous genocide as if it, it's something that happened a really long time ago, but, like, there was a period known as the Stolen Generation in which Aboriginal kids were just abducted to be raised in white society to, si- quote-unquote, civilize them and breed out the blackness in them. Yes. Literally to breed out the like, the entire population, like, you know, no, those are the very... white people that come up with the whole great replacement myth, the fucking disgusting, like, right-wing... Cons- this is that, like, myth applied in reality to, like... As government policy. As government policy, like, you know, to breed out blackness in people. And that's in living memory. You know, there are people who's, like, grandmas, like, people who are alive today who, who were born... Who grew up under yeah, that, who were taken from their yeah, families that was like, what, and their 40s, culture 60s? and their histories. So, yeah. The exact date. Um, um, I believe it ended, like, in the 60s in Thailand. Yeah, and um, before that was the white Australia policy. From um, the start, Australia was... There's slavery this, in living memory in Australia. Yeah, was you know? established as, like... It's like... Australia is like the white flight country, you know? Yeah, it's like, like instead people of going came out to the here, suburbs, they came to Australia. Like, yeah. they, you know, like, white people flocked here to have some, like, white and they, paradise. And, of course, there were already people here... And they managed to say that they weren't, that they didn't count as human beings. Yeah, they, That's a Terranolius de- policy. Yeah, Terranolius. They declared that this land was, quote-unquote, undiscovered, and that there was no claim staked, mainly because indigenous society didn't have nation-states that they could make treaties with, so on and so forth, which was bullshit. You know, there were multiple, like, many nations and societies around that were doing their... You know, it was very, like, diverse and stuff, but they just sort of went, oh, no one lives here. Um, because we killed them all. Yeah, so, and, but in so doing know, that, like, we try like Australia was created as a like a white beacon in a sea yeah, of foreign they, people. They, they the essentially idea, treated it like Antarctica. Yes, you know, know. but of course, yeah. there, I mean, there aren't really people other than like scientists in those orange vests in Antarctica. Yeah. But here, there were people. So they did try and depopulate it to then have this, like, white sanctuary yeah, to manage, so, like, this end of the empire. That's why we celebrate it. Well, not celebrate it, but we march out and protest on Invasion Day, because people are trying to get the, the date changed for good reasons, because it should... It's a, you know, that's the, the mark of the start of Australian genocide. But also a lot of people are just trying to get the day abolished, because why the fuck would you be an Australian nationalist unless you're a racist cunt? It is very much... <laughs> it, it is kind of reflective of, like, the reformist versus abolitionist kind of not struggle but tension that there is at the moment like during this like wave of protests and uprisings and a lot of people talking about what are we doing to prepare for what's next and you know a lot of people are arguing for very tepid reform policies for police all the way to full abolition and replacement of some sort of community-driven yeah. way. And then there's a lot of people saying that they want abolition, but they just want to defund cops, which is not the same thing at Well, they, all. they don't actually want... They don't think they want abolition. They want to say, because it's very catchy... Yeah, it's catchy. Abolish police. So then they and, can... And so, then you can catching on. so then you can go, oh, I'm interested in that. Tell me more. And I say, well... First off, we're not abolishing police. <laughs> yeah. That is not what we're interested in. Yeah. However, I'm sorry, where are you going? This is like the Elizabeth Warren Bernie bro left, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, these are the people that kind of, like... They still, for some reason, they haven't radicalized after all well, of this shit in 2020. The, um, like, how do you get to very, this point? They're with... very technocratic. You know, yeah, like... how, how do you get to this point without becoming radical if you're already that far? They like, like, plans. like me. They like to have... 
it all laid out, you know, a very strict... They like the... Not even strict, because these plans aren't that developed even. I do not think that's it. They like the idea that they don't have to take responsibility for the community that they're living in, and that someone else can deal with it all for them. They want... They have the idea in their head that they want this, like, they want someone else to, you know, go through all of the things so they don't have to think about it, so politics can be in the back of their head. I I mean, mean, that's a difference between... If we're thinking about it as, like, the... Elizabeth Warrenite kind of position, mm. then I can see that because a big part of that is kind of middle class waspy white yeah. culture, I mean, which is like ex- is an isolationist culture. You know, yeah. is you have your nice house and your nice quiet family, and you don't really speak very yeah. loud or do much, and you don't know anybody. Everyone else is a sea of other isolated. Yeah, separate well, I mean, like. This is not just not. This is not just like a sock down left thing, like not to shit on the tankies, but to shit on the tankies. It's all party politics, you know. If, unless you're in the party yourself, actively like doing stuff. As the idea of just supporting a party and expecting them to do it for you, you know, that's like that's the same way of thinking. It's the same sort of like disconnecting yourself from responsibility and in, in politics. I think, but like, you know, there are plenty of people who are very active, and they do take a lot of action in organising. Um, you know, and I'm not, like, trying to attribute this to everyone in party politics. But, yeah, like, in general, there's just a lot of people who, I don't know how they haven't, like, woken up, you know? How, like, you know, how can you not see what's going on and say ACAB? Like, there there are plenty of people who, especially in Australia... Um, That's why I say age up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got the what if Yoda was six foot tall? Which, God, that was only like two weeks I'm ago. I'm not a Chapo fan, but uh, people good. people have a lot of criticisms against them. And you know what? A lot of that's justified, but that song is fucking... That, that slaps. Yeah, they were, I think they're like <laughs> partially connected <laughs> to its creation. And, yeah. But, um, God, that was only a few weeks ago that we were just playing that song and singing it high. Yeah. That feels like, oh, that's a whole other... Yeah. That's a whole other, like, page in the history book ago. Yeah, it feels like a couple years ago, but it really wasn't. You know, it was really... Shit's been wild. But, um... Shit has been wild. Oh, yeah. That's the theme of the show. That's the theme of the (laughs) next how many ever years... One thing I did mention is just the way that, like, a lot of people, unfortunately, I think, are not going to be radicalized because they simply don't have access to media that is, like, describing what's going on. Like, I don't know, for the American listeners who are probably most people, like, I'm thinking about people who all they see is shit from, like, you know, Fox News and MSNBC and stuff. They're, they're covering the protests, but they're not covering the police brutality. You know, like, even, there's some, like, here in Australia, fucking, like, Channel 7 News, they went out to the White House protests, I think, and they got, like, fucked up by the cops. And the reporters, like, it it happened to the reporters live, but then all of their, like, news coverage has just been, like, anti-protester, you know, Mm -hmm. anti-looter, like, and actually really racist as well. Like, Australia really doesn't hold back with the racism in the media. I had, like, a brief moment of hope there for, like, a day, whereas seeing all of these... I believe there's now over, what, two, three hundred, maybe, we were just, I can't remember, but somewhere between two and four hundred, which, you know. What's this? I'd say once you're over a hundred cases of police beating up journalists in, like, a two-day oh, yeah. period, that's a, that's a lot. So yeah. it doesn't really matter if it's two hundred or four hundred. This is the shit that people say Any that, of to justify the US invading other countries. Yeah. Like, this is the same shit but, that they talk about. But I had this hope, seeing that, mm. that it would kind of at least, maybe not fully radicalized, but at least kind of stir from their stupor, like, mainstream news people. Because no. a lot of the time, these were live broadcasts. The crews were live when they were being arrested, tear gas shot at, and the anchors back at the station are having to, in bewilderment, try and cover what's happening. The first time they've seen anything like this outside of a war reporter correspondent. And then... It was only about a day and a half after that, that, you know, everyone came to their senses, they got back into bed, they went back to sleep, and went back to covering it as, well, you know, I'm sure the cops have a reason. 
And I believe the protesters were quoted as saying they're going to spit coronavirus into the cop's face. We don't have any proof of that, but we'll just, you know, go as red that that's what happened. And just completely went back to propaganda. I kind of hoped that seeing their co-workers beaten and bullied and harassed in front of the cameras might sort of turn them against in a large enough percentage to challenge this message, but it's just sort of snapped back. you got to remember, though, that the reporters are employees, and at the end of the day, they're still working for a boss, and, like, what they personally experience doesn't change what they're allowed to, like, report. You know, they don't have any autonomy over their reporting. You know, they might go out there, they might personally be radicalised by this, you know, shifted left a bit, but that doesn't mean that their bosses give the slightest shit you know, like, it doesn't... The institutions that they're working for is as racist as the police. Well, yeah, I think it's something that's becoming clear with um, the decisions a lot of publications and outlets are making is that their journalists are complaining about what is happening and the decisions yeah. being made editor- editorially. And it does seem to be a similar thing. It's like, yeah, if you're a, if you're the good journalist, you, you're probably resigning. Yeah, like, I mean, any... From your mainstream. <laughs> any like. journalists who might happen to find this somehow, quit your job and go join, like, Unicorn Riot, or it's going down, you know, or fuck, just even The Intercept, or just something that it actually gives a shit, you know? Like, like there's so many institutions out there that they're just looking for more reporters, because they can't get enough, because it's alternative media that doesn't get a lot of funding. Like, you could work in an industry that actually talks about what is happening to people. You know, you don't have to be in that, like, shit job at, like, you know, CNN or MSNBC or whatever the fuck it is that you're working on. I'm hoping that that happens. I hope it's not just a matter of a whole bunch of people quit journalism and all that's left is just a whole bunch of racist people in journalism. You know, I'm hoping that people that have that experience end up going and, like, using it to to work on, like, better media sources, you know? Yeah, I also, you know, a lot of cranks are independent journalists and citizen journalists. So if you're not a crank and you want to do journalism, you know, consider, podcast. Co- consider becoming an independent journalist so it's not just like Michael Tracy. Didn't that happen with, was it uh, Carlos Maza from Vox, I think? He tried to, like, unionize the Vox writers. Mm. And they did make a union, and they, they won a, a battle and stuff. But I think they were just pissed off because they were being treated like shit. But I think a lot of the workers were actually further left than what the company wanted them to be. And I think Carlos is one example. I don't know how, what he's, how, he, I think he's just a, like, a soft dam. He's not, like, really far left or anything. But, like, yeah, he... I think he's quit and gone independent um, just over that shit, you know, like, there was just a lot of crap there. I, um, I'm hoping he sets an example for journalism in general, just for people to wake up a bit, you know? I got into it, well, I didn't get into it, but I got very mad at some Australian journalists today, because their... Oh, yeah. Their coverage in the age leading up to today's um, Which is, like, protest, one of the biggest newspapers in the country. It is our... Perhaps an equivalent is like how you have like the New York Times and things like a the Washington Post, a liberal respected institution yeah. that is ours. You know, it's the, it, it's not liberal. It's it's still owned, isn't it? Owned by News Corp. Yeah, it didn't it, used to be. It's it, just one of those News Corp papers that pretends to be kind of liberal, but it mainly just means that they're racist, but not as open as the other papers. And I do <laughs> like. I think it was less awful. Back when I used to read it a lot, like every day, as the as the paper I read, um, before it became privately owned like that. But um, the headline was "Spitting Threat to Police Ahead of Black Lives Matter Protest." Yeah, they were reporting. When well, that's a pretty standard cop tactic, though, is that like they kind of they look over social media just to quickly get any tiniest bit of evidence, even if people just making jokes and don't like mean what they're saying. So they can then leak it to the media so that they, they can put the thing out to deter people from protesting in the first place, or they can justify a violent, like, response to the protesters. Um, it's, it's standard propaganda stuff. Like, don't fall for that shit. You know, if you see it, like, a lot of the time it's... I mean, they've done it before. Like, one of the most common ones is saying that people are planning to put marbles on the ground to trip police horses. Which, like, no one is fucking cruel enough to do that. 
you know, like, who the fuck is gonna do that to a horse? Like, no, like, it's, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who is actually, like, an activist, like, a left-wing activist of any kind who could, like, bring themselves to fuck a horse like that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of left-wing anarchists who would love to fuck a horse in yeah, a but, different way. Yeah, yeah, but we have bad drivers, but, but yeah. I was gonna say, like, on one hand, it's bad because of, you know, here they were quoting anonymous government sources. Yeah, but they're apparently saying, we're going to spit on you. And on the other hand, you have to kind of respect the inventiveness of the police to come up with these sort of, like, roadrunner-type traps that Antifa is planning mm. to do on them that justifies their yeah. violence like they're being very creative you know yeah i guess i should point out that the, the melbourne protest that this was about actually went really peacefully um I, I know people were expecting police to escalate things and they were hoping for people to just you know for one person to do something to justify it but it ended up going kind of smoothly uh sydney though the cops kettled a bunch of people into like one of the train stations into the, the platform yeah where the only exit is like it's like underground, and so they stop people from leaving the train station, and then fucking pepper sprayed them for no reason. They weren't like they they were fucking weak. No one was actually attacking cops there at all. Like no one was, no one was doing anything to justify like a, a response like that. But yeah, so New South Wales cops a bit um, being a bit heavy. It seemed to be it. a retaliatory action because. Um, Gladys Elizabethan, uh, the Kalian, or I don't, I have no idea how to pronounce. She has her name. like four Bs, three Es, six Zs in her name. I just remember her by the, the way that Friendly Geordies compared her to a koala that one time, and she's um, so under her leadership as premier, they went to the Supreme Court of the state to try and have the protest deemed legal, which they need initially was successful at but it got repealed like the next day they went to the yeah to the court of appeals they repealed it you know hours before or maybe an hour before it was due to start yeah um at which point you know the police had already declared it illegal and said that you know there will be fines there will be consequences for yeah, going yeah they were hoping to get action and they didn't get action so then they created it yeah, you know, like they, there was no reason to like no one there was like attacking them now, in the video you know, it is very like it, it, they all just go the, the people there are, you know walking back and forth kind of they're yeah. kettled they're like you know like, yeah. proud, like trying to go what what's going on here but they're not inciting any aggression it, towards it, them it and shows, then yeah. and then at one and then all is one the police just go oh okay like we've been turned on let's go beat the shit out of them yeah and it's it shows this mindset in the cops where like they are looking for violence actively but they're also like shit scared at the same time like, no one was being violent, which is actually kind of a surprise, considering how, like, big of a protest it was. Yeah, no one was justifying any response, but they still, like, sort it out. And it kind of... It bewilders me, because today I saw a video on Twitter of a fucking Mexican cop getting doused in flames and having to, like, you know, his, uh, his co-workers having to, like, put him out by someone who, like, poured a fucking bottle of alcohol on him and lit it or something. Maybe he was cold. Maybe he was cold. But, like, you know, it's not as if Australian cops are facing any threats like that. There is nothing to, you know, justify. They just want to hurt people. Well, that know? is, you know, that like, is the whole argument. I mean, to have any argument about, you know, are the police bad? What do we do? We really need to, you know create some sort of independent inquiry to determine if any of this is really happening like the liberal response is so bullshit because clearly the problem is real because there are protests not just across America, across every like state and territory but across most of the countries of the world and almost across the board the police no matter what country have responded with undue violence, you We've know? already had the liberal response, though. We had the Royal Commission into Indigenous Deaths and Police Custody, which was in the late 80s, I think, and finished in the 90s, which there's been, like, 432 cases of Indigenous Deaths and Police Custody. Actually, 433, because it was a new one today in WA. The violence you continues. Know, nothing changed. There was no outcome. None of the officers in that, like, commission, that royal commission where they found the systemic, like, racism, 
nothing happened. They just did a fact-finding mission to go out and see what's happening and then did nothing to change the problem. They did nothing. That has always you know? been, especially in Australia, is our like technocratic liberal response is to bury it in commissions and studies and yeah. research groups. Like, occasionally these things bring up problems, but they don't abolish well, all the of, systemic things all of creating these things, them. You know? All of these things will create, unless yeah. they are deliberately interfered with to create an opposite report, in which mm. case these things... Which happens all the fucking time. Yes, but in these cases yeah. where they're trying to bury something, the report will usually turn out to verify what everyone is saying, but they draw out the process... Yeah. by years to try and yeah. delay having to create to not enforce any justice because you know they won't mm. but just to delay having to go through the process of going well yes this is all happening but no we're not going to do anything about it and if yeah. you push stuff long enough hopefully it'll be someone else's responsibility like that's how we've been dealing with these problems which is not dealing with them and it's kind of queued them all up and pushed them all together into this like choke point all of these problems that we have put off and delayed uh of racial justice of police brutality of unequal access to basic necessities yeah for all of these things that we have put off you know housing and we are now facing them all simultaneously (laughs) you know what's going on with housing the fucking so the lnp the ruling party here the ruling regime they have decided that as a coronavirus economic stimulus, they're going to fund like new housing projects for construction companies to build new like middle class houses. No one here can afford a fucking house. No one can buy one. The cost of housing is going up. You know, if you're working class, you have to rent, and the cost of rent is going up. If you're on welfare, there is literally nowhere where you can afford your rent and bills without having to starve yourself. Right? Like, it's a huge issue here. Homelessness is becoming, like, sweepingly rampant. And there's huge wait lists on public housing. But what they're building is middle-class housing just to give the companies money. You know, that, like, housing that's going to be bought up by, like, de- you know, developers and uh, for landlords well, no, we, and we, stuff we, we that can't... isn't going to actually, like, give anyone... Well, we can't build housing... Here's the thing. It is not profitable to build housing for poor people or homeless people because they don't yeah. have any money. But it is quite profitable to make a small number of houses for people who already have houses and also money to use as an but, investment yeah. sink. Yeah, and exactly. They're going to buy the houses as an investment, not to actually live in them. Or to, or to rent to slightly lower middle class people to live in. I mean, the housing... Because the housing solution is simply to build just build the houses for the government to take command of that. It's gentrification. But, That's all they're doing. But we yeah. have created it as a commodity, as yeah. you know, as a deeply important part of the economy, which you don't want. You don't want the place that you need for shelter and security and peace, your home, to be a market commodity. Yes. <laughs> because that suddenly puts the whole thing at risk, because suddenly it is no longer a refuge it is actually a piece of real estate that other people will happily take from under you yeah. to get to the money. Like, There's a bit we have to clarify for foreign audiences here, though. Because I've seen this all the fucking time. You look at, like, the list of, like, richest countries in the world, Australia tops them quite a lot. There's two main reasons for this. Uh, a lot of those are, like, average stats based on, like, average amounts of wealth. There are a lot of people with extreme amounts of wealth in this country. Like, there's 25 million people on a continent the size of the mainland US. So there's hardly any population density, which means a f- small number of people own shitloads of land and have, like, a shitload of, like, mineral wealth and also are landlords. You know, they just own heaps of property. And the housing market is so much... seen as such a big investment in Australia that everyone works their ass off to buy a house. Everyone owns a house. Australia has actually one of the highest rates of home ownership, which is why we also have one of the highest rates of wealth per capita, because housing is an asset that is considered a form of wealth. But everyone is working their asses off, hardly able to pay the bills for, you know, like 20 years to go and buy a house for their fucking retirement. And all we have is a culture of home ownership, but it's leaving people in poverty. So they might have wealth, technically, but they can't sell the house because they can't move because there's no housing to move to. You know, so they're just kind of stuck on this sort of, like, investment property. 
like this property that is supposed to be an investment but isn't really doing anything for them and so they're just essentially left poor. They might start off middle class but they buy a house and then they're fucking back to lower class because they don't necessarily have like a good income or anything. You know, they technically have wealth but they can't do anything with it. And yeah, it's, I've um, heard about this thing called like a mortgage which seems like a whole complicated deal and yeah. money that you have to pay. Yeah. As someone who doesn't own any property... It seems like it should be a simple thing, is that you go to the place and you put down money, you'd think it would be a fairly reasonable amount, you'd hope, and then they give you the the bit of paper that says, okay, you have this now, and then you go live there. Like, that's what it seems like it should be, but from what I understand, it doesn't really work no, that way. No, it really, it really doesn't. Which seems a bit, which just seems like kind of like grifting to me, like... It seems like it should be a very simple process of a lot of people skimming off the top. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's helped create a pretty big culture of squatting in Australia, at the very least. Because we have so many empty homes from people buying investment properties that no one can actually afford to fucking live in. So they're just sort of sitting there empty, like... It, well, it's, yeah, it's I mean, fucked, you know. squatters, and this is happening. There's the, there's the children of people with investment yeah. properties who squat in their parents' investment properties. You know, there's all sorts. You know, yeah. But this, all of this shit. But then like, there's also people who own like ten houses. Yeah, and they're like think they're a really cool guy because they also have like some sort of shitty Lamborghini and like a one nice suit, and they go to pick yeah. up girls at Crown, and those are like the most successful men in Australia. Yeah. And they're all dickheads. And that's who everyone wants to aspire to be at the moment. But if you were invested in wealth and capitalism to and go success back culture. to the topic of racism, though, this particular issue does disproportionately affect Indigenous people. Because the amount of poverty in the Indigenous community from systemic racism, um, extreme amounts, has left people in a situation where they have no opportunities for jobs, to be able to leave that poverty, to be able to buy a fucking house in the first place. So you're stuck in remote or extremely like cheap areas in sort of like a poverty trap that you can't leave. So there's just all of these people in Australia like desperately clawing their way to get a house and then they can't do anything with it and they're just kind of stuck on it. And then it's it's messed up. While, like, while there's all these people out there that just... Oh, there's like 80,000 people in Melbourne that are homeless, I think. You know, and then, like, that's... That's like a whole suburb. Yeah, that's, you know, I lived in one of those, like, cities that's eaten up by the, the suburban sprawl. Mm. You know, it's like something like 20,000, 30,000 people, you know? Like, that's... That's like triple of the area that I lived in. If everyone, that's all of the homeless. So people, if we you know? mobilized them, we <laughs> yeah. could they could like well, take well, over Kensington or something. And yeah, they they could if our everyone. firearm laws weren't so um, <laughs> so restrictive. Uh, you have to own a home to own a firearm in Australia, um, or in Victoria at least, because you need to have it in like a three hundred pound safe. Um, I mean, that is you know, sensible. That's, that's a lot, yeah, but you can't move it, and it has to be in a fixed location, yeah. so, like, yeah, you, like you know, you, know, you I can't mean, own a home, you can't own a gun unless you, yeah. like, own a home. You can't rent and also own a gun either in Australia, because of that same reason, because yeah. I you can't install people, a safe like I that without like damaging the property. Lower class people, it's harder to afford, like, the safe, where you press the button on the wall, and, like, these metal plates from the floor slide aside <laughs> and then, like, a giant glass chamber comes out of the but bottom of the there's floor. There's not enough guns available like, in this country to justify AR-15 that. In <laughs> like, not everyone has yeah. that ability, you know. Obviously, yeah. we had those in our homes growing up, but, you know, some people don't. There's not a lot that people can do against, like, activism-wise here because people aren't In terms of, like, militant... Yeah. Like what we're seeing... In, in the US. In the US yeah. with like, the... There's no equivalent to, to like a Black Panther Applebee's, like, yeah. militias. Yeah, and but like... the um, new Black Panthers, on the other hand, like... We, we can't have we, that. We, we can't, can't have, have militias. We can't have, like, the socialist rifle organization. And also, we yeah. are not just a country of, you know, injustice, but also a country of dickheads. And if we gave, like, every fucking... Uh, abusive dad in like a suburban development area uh the ability to own a gun i think it would be very well, bad for our society I mean, yeah like uh, the problem with introducing gun ownership is that you also need to introduce all of the support systems to keep society running you know like uh, mental health and financial support so that people aren't in a situation in which 
they turn to either crime or you know they end up suicidal and like it's like the biggest cause of gun death like deaths is like suicides you know it's like all of these sorts of things it's like we don't have any of that shit in place to help people so that if we did introduce guns to the lower class that they would just be used to defend themselves um which is yeah well, we used to have guns and oh we used to before it was 1994 and a lot of people five, a lot of people in the country still have their guns oh yeah no a lot of people have their guns. um yeah, but and they're available illegally, but like it's but they're they're shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, show me I mean, them. They look in, like shit. Bikey gangs in like Queensland and New South Wales, they actually they make like homemade weapons, and you can see these. They're like, mostly like balsa wood and gaffer tape. And like, like these are the guns that should have been in fucking Fallout Four <laughs> instead of those like blocks of wood with a, a nail in them. Like they were straight up some of the most like Mad Max shit I have ever seen. Um, yeah, I wish I could show people on a podca- podcast. Yeah, it's like, like it's you know like those games like Ark Survival Evolved. Like that's the like they can only make guns by like. Crafting existing pieces of everyday <laughs> items. Yeah, like they're taking apart like some of the most random shit to make like guns which work perfectly fine, but like it, yeah, because it's just no like access to them in this country. So that's how like it's, uh, you know back to you know Ned Kelly like just kit boxing what you've got in your house and making like something to kill someone with. Like that's part of the Australian identity <laughs> is um you know yeah. ingenuity. The old, like, old Yoka, like, the hard kind of battler spirit yeah, is I mean, using everyday items to try and kill someone that you hate. It's actually so ingrained against in, from the pub. It's so ingrained into Australian culture that anyone that watches, like, for, Forgotten Weapons and knows, like, Gun Jesus, there's the Owen SMG, which was created, uh, it was like a World War II, a submachine gun that soldiers used all over the Pacific here. Um, and it was just some fucking teenage boy fucking around in his shed in a country town just started making guns <laughs> and he went off to war and his neighbor somehow snuck into his fucking property, I guess, and saw this like bag that had like these homemade weapons in there. And then he went, oh, hang on. And he had an engineering firm and had turned them into an actual gun that he gave to the military. Like people here have a, a culture of just doing that because everyone's... I'm pretty sure... Oh God! That's just like I would have dated him. Who? <laughs> I mean, like if he was alive now, instead of going off to war, he would have become involved in like a year, very intense, year-long relationship with me that went nowhere and ruined his life. That says something a lot about your previous partners, babe. <laughs> it's just like that's the kind of thing that people I date usually have in their past. Jeez. So just like okay, <laughs> but you mentioned the Pacific, and you reminded me talking about like middle class suburbanites and guns and policing when they were shooting a Steven Spielberg series The Pacific here like my best friend at the time like his dad's like army recreation society mm. were like responsible for supplying all the jeeps and stuff yeah and it, I didn't uh, until I had this friend I didn't know that that is like a subculture here of like people that like recreate like various military sort of World War Two and other periods shit and then they have their own little mini parades out in like country towns and this oh, yeah. shit it's it's just very strange that I guess it's like this sort of white suburban comfortability that you can have no investment history has ended you know you have no investment in current struggles and wars and yeah, like independence, but you become obsessed with like people fighting for their rights in World War Two. And I mean, that's kind of like in America, they have all this civil war recreation mm. groups and stuff like that. Like, you know, people get obsessed with. This seems very odd shit. to be that obsessed with memorializing and celebrating the big, the great people doing you know the good fight in the past when. You could be doing the same thing now, but you're choosing not to join in. <laughs> yeah, you're choosing not to participate in what's ongoing. I mean, that's just, that's privilege, I think. That's just, like, being able to, like, separate yourself from the current events. That's, that's a privilege. You know, I don't, I don't have that option. I don't, there's no way I can back out from that. I can't just, like, spend all my time, I don't know, going through history and playing video games now. It's like, no, I've, I'm too, the world's fucked. I gotta do something about it. Like, yeah. Right now, like, we're playing video games, but we're still tense. It's not alleviating anything. Yeah. Or thinking, God, I wish I was doing anything other than playing video games. Every time I'm playing... I, I'm a Twitch streamer, right? Um, for anyone that doesn't know, so Twitch TV slash schnupps, S-H-N-U-P-Z. 
and uh, I stream like three days. I don't have the motivation to stream games anymore. I just I just don't want to play video games because I'm like people are out on the street dying, and I'm playing a video game. Mm. You know, I can't like I, I just can't do it anymore. You know, like yeah. there's there's. I mean, people... I do have this Delaris game with like this. Uh, it's a tentacle alien race that wants to impregnate every woman in the universe. Oh, so nice. like I've got that waiting to go to, but yeah, otherwise you know it's hard to feel invested in yeah. in false realities when real reality I I had when I was high again another time recently mm. I was come across this this thing that you do when you're high which is suddenly everything is much more significant and has much more meaning and all the connections your brain instead of just random firing stuff that kind of just fizzles out you don't notice it seems very real and significant and I was saying, like, I was looking back at my nudes, getting them ready for OnlyFans, onlyfans.com forward slash Haleyglyphs, that <laughs> you dropped your link. <laughs> you dropped your link. I can... I'm going to have to do this every episode now. But... Also Twitter user at Haleyglyphs. And I was looking at these nudes from December. Mm. And December feels so distant and different oh, and yeah. distinct. And it's like, yeah, what was, and that was, was December. A, what was the biggest thing going on in December at the time? Um, um, the bushfires was, the, the bushfires were a problem. And um, Elizabeth Warren. I had a really awkward family going away for Christmas. Yeah. Lisa, like, it was like, okay, I kind of, yeah, it's like really 2020. It's like before that, the last, really Dude, since I was a kid. That was before Trump. Um, fucking threaten nuclear war with Iran. That was so long you know? ago. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We've already been. <laughs> so much has happened. We've already been through like a good few years of like Cold War duck and cover terror in like a month. We just we just marathoned that. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, and then there was all and the then... shit about like them pulling out of Rojava as well with like uh, the U.S. There, military there. there like... was. Uh, and Turkey the, invading, like, Syria. The, ascendance, the second ascendancy and second decline of the Bernie Sanders campaign for president. Yeah. Joe Biden. He was never going to uh, He was, it was... A whole, like, hemisphere of his is gone since oh, yeah. December. Yeah, people spend so much time worrying about Biden. I mean, like, all of the fucking radicals, you know, all of... Even the Marxist-Leninists. As much as I hate you all, I appreciate that you don't get yourself involved in electoral politics as much. But everyone was speaking up and saying, what the fuck you... Just, it's Biden. Like, stop making a big deal out of it. Don't fucking vote. You know, go join a fucking union and stuff. And, like, there was just a couple of months where, like, that was the biggest deal. You know, it was, like, Bernie and Biden. And everyone's just sitting there like, oh my god, this thing is fucking rigged. It doesn't even Psych matter. Emoji. Go, go organize. Join, join your local orgs. Join the fucking DSA. You know, join your union. All this sort of stuff. And then, like, suddenly everything snapped. And it's like, oh, okay. okay. Now, like, all of that all of that worrying about electoralism. Like, this uprising and rebellion and these protests. Yeah. Uh, what's actually getting shit done. So, you know? it, to me, I don't know. It really felt like... We were in slow time, mm. really, since, I guess, like, slow time for me began, like, during the Obama presidency, mm. you know, because it felt fast for a moment, you know, we had this recession, we had, look, Obama being elected was a very hopeful thing at the time, and then yeah. Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, Kevin Rudd being elected. Exactly, yeah, at the like, same time, yeah. we had the apology to the stolen Which generation. Is literally, like, the only thing that Australia has really done in any way to make up for genocide is just saying sorry. Like, that's all they've really done. And it took is, a long time, it took it, a lot of work to get Yeah, it. it was just, like, one Prime Minister saying, you know what, we fucked up, and that's it. There was, like, no recognition of Indigenous people in the Constitution, for instance. It's still not a thing. We don't have a Bill of Rights, to be clear. Um, and there's no, like, nothing has changed fundamentally. It's just in 2007 or eight, Kevin Rudd got up on stage and he said... He said, look, we've got to look out for working families, but we've also got to give a fair shake at the sauce bottle... To the other people here. I was 13, and I thought he was talking about wanking. <laughs> you know? Like... I was older, and I wouldn't have known what wanking was. That felt like that felt like the beginning of slow time. Like, for a while there, it felt like mm. things were happening. You know, it felt like... I mean, we had... Occupy like, was pretty big. That's what I mean. Yeah. We had Occupy. It really... Until 
the crackdown began and dissolution of leftist politics and political movements that had been built up in the rise of Obama and then he and the DNC went to then mm. dismantle that and crush Occupy Wall Street and then I don't know what happened in the second term in terms of Standing Rock and so on and Ferguson but that inertia really set in there where it felt like it's like one strong wave that pulls you out and then there's no other wave and then you're just kind of floating there and it's yeah. still and now it feels like there's so many waves there's so much oh, crashing yeah. down there's, and there's so, so many much things movement. that have built up yeah it's like there's it's just like the the tip of the iceberg is the Black Lives Matter yeah. protests. You know, like, it those is... are those are the most important things that are happening right now, but there's so many underlying things that are happening, un- like, underneath that, that have led to and yeah. enabled and created the, the, the society that we have yeah. now that has led to this. And in hindsight, know? it's more like pushing the boulder to the edge, and then the momentum just yeah. takes it going. Mm. And it's like, now we're in fast time, like, yeah, we've been just like things that were like a multi that would have been like a multi year period. I These re- things are happening in like the course of a month. And now yeah. and with the Black Lives Matter, you know, I really detest like the very like Twitter dickhead kind of or class reductionist, uh, like verso books writer or Jacobin writer kind of take that it's like has to be, you know, a pure class movement and everything really comes down to class. Race is a, an issue, but a distraction, and can't ever be like the I know, the forward. I factor. know anarcho-communists who are like that. You know, there's all sorts of people on the left. It's not just like an authoritarian communist thing. It's not just a Jacobin writer thing. It's like a lot of. I mean, you know, it's when in the, specifically when they're talking about race not being an issue. Yeah, it's mainly like white people who have come into the movement through. Uh, well, workers. Yeah, they, they, they come. They come into the movement through like union movements, you yeah. know, through like labor rights, which and is like obviously that. like a key factor. But the point, my point is, that yeah. it's like, um, I really detest that that we have to that that the class struggle has to be that when that we'll know when the time is right for things to move because it'll be when the class struggle is what is rolling the ball. And it's not. It's a fundamental factor. It is, like, an underlying factor. But, like, the tip of the spear driving through events at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, That is the propelling factor. And it's one we have to get on board with. Like, I think we're very focused on class and, um, you know, wealth disparity and class struggle. But this is... This is what is... What this is yeah. what we have to build solidarity behind and support because this is what is for the first time in years driving momentum to an unknown destination, mm. and that is exciting because I think as far as the last few years have gone, it's been a very kind of like the the list of future possibilities has seemed very narrow and most of them not good. You know, like this recent period, the last days, it feels like weeks, but it's been like days you know is like this is the first time since trump's election where i've peered into the future in my imagination you know of and have not just seen like president slash god emperor trump like ruling eternally like my assumption since 2016 is like you know trump is going to be president for however long Trump he is, is going to be, be president. the last elected president yeah. of the United States. He That's what be, I thought in 2016. He, like, and I'm like, 10 years, like, he'll be president. 20 years, he'll be, like... He'll be ha- dead. He'll be half-worm, like, By 20 years' time. Creature. He'll have, like... He'll be, like, the elephant's foot in Chernobyl, but in the Oval Office. And he'll be, like... He won't be able to talk so much, but he'll have, like, the sentient ability to put his mind into your mind. Because that's what he does through Twitter to us all. And, like, this is the first time where I'm not seeing that vision when I look into, like, Galadriel's mirror. This is the first time where it's not, like, orcs just chopping hobbits' feet off. It's like, I'm like, actually, I don't know what the good thing is that's going to happen, but at least I know there's a chance of it. Yeah. And I'm still, like, fundamentally a pessimist because I think that my my belief, really, I think, is that we will, like, achieve what we want here. That, like, 
widespread racial justice and equality and a fundamentally better system is possible and will happen. But I think it will happen, like... Too late. Ten years yeah. before the Earth is uninhabitable and we'll be just trying to manage the chaos in, like, a, in a nice work socialist way. Yeah. <laughs> like, unfortunately, I still see flames and destruction. I just think... Quite we, literally. We, we might... in Australia. I just think... You know, Every the preceding circumstances might not be as bad as I thought they were. You know, you might get a few more good years, I think. I don't know. I mean, like, uh, yeah. Because I feel like the... Even on a... Because the struggles we're talking about here are, like, moving from this very broad general system where there are a diverse multitude of societal problems. Mm. And our answer is a gun and a baton. To all of them. Yeah. That's policing. And we're looking at a more community-based local model of kind of mutual aid, I guess, in the, as an alternative. Yeah, I, I think that... Like a more specific targeting of what is the actual problem, rather than this very broad approach that is sort of like an overhead, top-down kind mm. of thing. And now we're looking at like a bottom-up movement and solution. Kind of. I think there's a Whereas, like, I think a thing like climate change requires a very, like, very controlling top-down power to turn all the machines off. (laughs) I mean, yes and no. We can quite literally destroy the factories. You know, we can quite literally... But on a scale large enough It's going to take a huge movement that we don't have have yet. Yeah, like, there we're talking about, like, a... What, like, a global... Luddite movement, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not just in the north, the industrial sector of England. In, you know, like, that to me seems. This seemed impossible, like, months ago. So who knows? But. I don't know. But I, but I guess this is, like, the doable thing, you know? We. Creating local community empathetic solutions is something that is possible for us to join and do. It's much harder for us all to join and uh, deconstruct the fossil fuel industry as citizens. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was a, I was a member of the Australian Greens Party, um, and I, I was in the Victorian Greens, specifically. Uh, I just did some, like, local branch stuff. Uh, when, I, when I joined up, you know, I was mainly more, like, libertarian socialist. Uh, my politics were more like the PKK or... <laughs> Actually, they designated a terrorist group in Australia. Um, not by most of the world, though. Uh, you know, so like, not like the PKK. Not yeah, no, no, no. More, more like, more like audio. the YPG. You know, we like them. We send them stuff. Um, but you know, I had that that mindset when I joined, so I was already way more radical than the party. And very quickly, I was like, no, fuck this. Anarchy is like the way to go, and I disengaged from the party. But one thing I noticed the entire time I was there that like there was no bottom up community like communal democratic effort you know in a, in a party that actually claims to be bottom up internally uh it's not really it definitely the party of bottoms it's definitely yeah definitely the party of bottoms um and liberals um but it was it was wild to me because there are some areas in melbourne specifically where the greens have quite a, a large stronghold and i'm like there's no there's no real effort of like a community-led like transition away from fossil fuels by installing like solar panel microgrids and stuff like that you know or like doing things to like revive the ecology in the local area and stuff like there really wasn't any work like that being done there wasn't any like activist groundwork of like changing things from the bottom up it was all about just trying to get the election results to be able to get enough senators in power to be able to change the laws from the top down and it it's not happening yeah, It'll never which... happen, because, because like, the, the Greens will never get media coverage. They don't take any, like, corporate donations, which is good, but it also means that literally no media corporation is ever going to give them any positive coverage, right? Like, they, they have to rely on alternative media and stuff. And it's like, yeah, even if you're trying to be the good political party, and you're trying to be the nice social democrats, there's no, there's no hope for that. Like, electoralism is dead. You know? Yeah, I remember, like, at this earlier part of this quarantine which we're still under because there is still um, all the germs are like still out there oh, um, yeah. so we're still in here and yeah we're both immunocompromised to be clear um, yeah. we can't if we get COVID-19 we are fucked 
at the start of this was when the Bernie campaign, you know, after the fix was in, you know, and DNC had purely decided we're not going to let this happen. Um, talking about what we should do a podcast about, you know, electoralism. I'm not, and I'm, I was saying to you, like, I don't know if that is the way. <laughs> like, I'm like, I think, I don't know. If I, electoral- didn't want to do, I didn't want to do a podcast on electoralism, but, but I, I wanted, wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. And I wanted to try and work out my feelings of, like, talk through it all and, like, work out, like, yeah, you know, maybe this isn't going to put energy into... You, I didn't you end radicalized up, pretty quickly. Uh, and then, yeah, I yeah. didn't end up having to have that conversation what, what was it with about? myself in front of you because just witnessing this has been enough to go, oh, yeah. no, that, okay, that was, was, that was, that was like an entertainment that I was enjoying. That wasn't anything <laughs> real. It was literally just a month ago when I was trying to explain to Haley that just by being an anarchist, I am considered a threat by the state, and they will seek out anarchists as scapegoats for everything, like, they will go to extra lengths to just treat you like pure shit, to arrest you on your charges, to fuck with you. And, like, and Ailey was like, nah, that's bullshit, surely that doesn't happen. And then, like, you know, we're seeing all these protests in the US, and they're claiming everything is because of anarchists, and going out against radical terror groups, and, like, yeah, I will, very I will, quickly, Haley was like, oh, oh, that's what you meant. Like, I will defend my you know, total dismissal of your opinion, because what I was kind of thinking was that anarchy as, like, seems to be kind of a joke to consider, like, oh, a dangerous destabilizing force in any... Yeah. In, like, Australia <laughs> and or And we just work in, like, America. soup kitchens and stuff and yeah, we, like, it, give the same 20 like, bucks around to each other. We're not, like, a threat. Yeah, it was a know? bunch of, a bunch of like, sickly people in, like, ripped-up skinny jeans and stuff, and I'm sure they're nice people and doing good stuff, but probably weren't going to be, like, an insurrectionary vanguard that was going to behead Scott Morrison on yeah. the front steps like he seemed to think they would. You know, like, everyone from... Scomo to Tromo, Trump, as his friend. Don't, make... don't that that was a curse. Never say that again. <laughs> From no, Scomo to Tromo. No. no, no. <laughs> what the fuck was that beep? Um, that was the censor. You just got censored by your fucking frying pan. What the hell? <laughs> is that they've been labeling the anarchist as the threat, and in my mind, an anarchist is still either the skinny jeans person or like. The kind of like eighteenth century person with a must with like a clipped mustache and like a raggedy suit and a top hat, and he takes off the top hat and pulls out like a pipe bomb and like throws it at the Prince of Wales. Yeah, and then like, misses and accidentally kills two civilians because they did that way too much. Yeah, like that yeah. was kind of what I was thinking, and I think a lot of <laughs> Prince of Wales. I think a lot of people think the same thing because yeah. it's like because it's not just the Trumpites who are in the Fox News and the Australian conservative media who are labelling anarchists, it's yeah, also, it's, a, it's, it's become the liberal and the woke thing to do, to blame white dude bro cishet anarchists. Yeah. And it's like, it's because the actual anarchists represent such a small population of, like, the media discourse, political media discourse, that they're offending the least number of their audience. Yeah. By labelling anarchists, you know, they can say... Look, here's a group no one really cares about, <laughs> and they're not giving us any money, so let's blame them. Because yeah. if we blame anyone else, if we come out too strongly and just blame oh, yeah. uh, you don't make black money people being an fighting for their lives, um, <laughs> it will look a lot worse. And if, but if yeah. we say actually, these ten anarchists in Portland are responsible for like <laughs> the ten anarchists that are in Portland, and you all know who you are, and you're all my mutuals. <laughs> Yeah, they are responsible <laughs> you know? for, like, the wave of violent uh, bean can throwing attacks <laughs> at police across the country. All of, all of the cement milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw, but, like, a band of, uh, yeah, the Black Guard or something were um, filling leaf blowers of acid. And, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like they... anarchists are, like, a legitimate, like, threat. You could say, I mean, I wouldn't say threat because they're pretty cool. But, like, there, there are some groups in, like, uh, Central and South America and so on and so forth, who go out and they put bombs on shit all the time. You know, in Mexico, there's been a big insurrection going on since, like, 2014, where people are just, like, robbing banks and shit. Um, but, like, you don't... There's no radical movement, like, that well-defined and big in any of these, like, first world countries. Like, I don't know a single person who has, like... I don't know of any of, like, you know, guerrilla groups, you know? There's no, like, organized anarchist effort to destabilize the state in any of these countries, because there's hardly any of us, and it's hard to get in touch with each other, 
and where most of them are working like nine to five and they can't fucking like you know they don't have the time to be politically active or the energy yeah or they're poor and living in squats and probably like haven't eaten all day and are too yeah, tired they're, they're spending so much time trying to stay alive that we like we don't have time to like organize in fact this is these uprisings have been amazing because for once people are actually looking into anarchy and like it's doing more for <laughs> radicalizing people and getting like anarchists into a you know legitimate like force than anything has ever really done in in, in a long while um yeah i think um it's it's it, nice to was see it, oh, i don't know if it was emma goldman i don't can't remember who said it but there was a, a time in the early 20th century where the state was claiming that anarchists are lunatics, and then there was one famous anarchist. I think it was. I think it might have been Emma Goldman who was just saying that. Well, that just meant that we got so much, so many lunatics coming in to like find out what anarchy was about, and then we just got all that. All of our allies became the people that were labeled as crazy. Yeah, the anarchists get to now tell everybody about anarchy, and also get to be very mad at all the liberals saying this is anarchy oh. in like a very. Uh, oh, I hate that so much. In a way that has no valence to reality. Oh, if anyone is, if anyone is listening who isn't an anarchist, um, and doesn't hate anarchists, and doesn't hate anarchists, I like a lot of people have this idea that like anarchy is like you know going to be like chaos and who is going to deal with the crime. It's like, the damn joker. Anarchists have existed since like fucking what was it Proudhon who was the first person to politically label himself an anarchist in the fucking like eighteen forties or something. And, you know, ever since then, the movement has existed, and countless people have spent their entire lives thinking about ways that we can, like, abolish policing, and, you know, and abolish fucking jails, and have a safe community, and how these things are going to work, and how you organize it. And it's like, if the if this shit wasn't thought out, I wouldn't be an anarchist. You know, you would see me in a fucking communist party. You know, like, I wouldn't have ended up an anarchist in the first place. But, like, a lot of liberals can't stop to understand that when I engage with them on Twitter. Fuck Twitter. They will try and tell me to my face what anarchy is, and I'm like, you know I'm an anarchist, right? Like, you're trying to say, no, the real definition is this. You are this evil thing that I've imagined. You can't be anything else. And it's like, you really think I would be like that? Like, what drives you to think that, like, I would be, like evil like why would i why would i want that i want to go to meetings i want to give out food to people for free you know <laughs> i want to abolish hierarchy i'm not here to fucking kill people for the sake of killing them i'm not yeah. here to like go every every man for themselves and like you know fucking like i'm not i don't want mad max yeah most you know? anarchists look they just want to sit in their squat with you maybe share some soup talk about weird guns get high together they don't you know, unlike it, unlike know. communists they don't want to sell you their newspaper they don't want you to go to their uh three-day marxism conference and it costs you 75 dollars to get in even if you are homeless yeah, yeah. you know like and in, th- and in those ways i think we can be thankful that we have the anarchists as the liberals are saying this is a. Uh, it's such a weird thing in liberal take. It's like this is a Black Lives Matter protest, and we support Black Lives Matter. However, however, <laughs> we also we absolutely do not support any of the actions the protesters were actually uh, white anarchists and uh, race warrior uh, instigators that we call the Boogaloo. <laughs> it's a yeah. very strange. I, explanation. I highly suggest if you're not following the organization Black Socialists in America and the Indigenous Anarchist Federation. Go give them a follow. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of like black anarchists and radical leftists who the liberal media are just sort of pretending don't exist, you know. And I, I'm not, I'm not black myself. I'm white, so I can't imagine what that must feel like. But the complete erasure of these people and pretending that everyone in this movement is white, which is something that has happened. Like Marxist Leninists do it all the fucking time, and all all forms of orthcoms ignore the fact that like anarchy is a, a worldwide ideology that has existed everywhere and happens in every community yeah like they're finally talking about like anarchists and militant socialists and they're not they're saying that you're not in the group yeah they're, they're kind of saying that like oh it's it's just a couple of white suburban kids and stuff which just like isn't true you know like uh, i don't i don't know it's it's annoying. Like, Japan, for instance, is one of the biggest bastions of anarchy in the earliest 20th century before the fascist takeover, and they just sort of, like, did a huge crackdown and killed them all. Um, there were heaps in, in China during the, the Cultural Revolution. There was huge in South America, a huge in Central America, you know? Like, in parts of Africa, there are societies that are anarchic anyway, like, organically. And there's just been, like, a history of 
anarchist rebellion worldwide that's just kind of been erased. Mm. And that's that's like, I think that's the hardest part about the Black Scare because the Red Scare has put out so much propaganda that you can't see the real shit about like authoritarian communism. But the Black Scare has just erased anarchy from existence by simply systemically murdering everyone or not allowing. We can't publish our works or like can't translate them. So there's so many like theorists from around the world who never had anything translated into English and then they just died and it never really got published anywhere and you can't find the texts hmm. because we were just like the historically like it's incredibly fucking poor and the state was constantly after us and trying to like crack down on the you know it was thought crime you're not allowed to be an anarchist yeah and well thankfully you know like in a few years there'll be a probably a very popular organization called like the representational anarchists of America who have like a very memeable like organization start and then everyone will join that and all the true anarchists will be upset oh, there's, if, you, if you're in the US there's, there's uh, Black Rose like Rosa Negra they're a really good uh, uh, anarchist org there's also if you're not an, there's the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the DSA um, and I would definitely just look into Black Rose or BSA or an IAF and stuff like that yeah, um, all the acronyms, you know, look them up, uh, work out what the acronyms mean, um, yeah. do that. Um, you know, I think this is about all we have time for in this session, because it's been um, an hour. I had yeah. three brain cells at the beginning of this, and they have reduced significantly in that time. It is late, and we won't And I still want to play Stellaris tonight to get um, impregnated by the octopoids. Oh yeah, um, as you do. These are tentacle, sexual tentacle aliens that I'll be interacting with not imperialist octopus aliens, which, you know does going to make that clear um, we're probably going to try and record another episode within the next few months um, hopefully days but it's been it's been tough, but it, but um, we're in fast time. So and we are still used to living in slow time. Yeah, I'm probably gonna. So it's hard to get the schedules I'm right. I'm probably gonna give up streaming a couple of days a week, so that I'm only streaming like once or twice a week, so that we can like do more podcast recording. Because as fun as streaming is, as much as I love the community, it's not a really good way to get out to people. No one wants to see like a streamer who's trans and has dissociative identity disorder and is chronically ill and is an anarchist. I'm just like a bunch of things that people just don't want to see on Twitch because gamers are gamers. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to reach people. So you know, as it's like it's like hanging out with friends, and it's fun to hang out with friends. Yeah, and but, it's fun you know, because like you're the listener, but we don't actually have to look at you or talk to you, which is less social anxiety inducing. Yeah, like and, it's, um, it's, it's and chill. also podcasting is praxis and probably one of the most noble professions. Um, and you. Oh, no. And you get to slide into a lot of DMs of DSA I, people, which I is assu- great. I assure you, everyone, I do not <laughs> want to make a profit off of this. More I, than it and takes I, and to, I assure like, you, we have conditions. not made a profit. No. And are likely to actually lose money. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I was saying, it is praxis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, oh, I don't want to become, like, the podcast left. You know, I don't want to become part of, like, the podcast left crowd. I just want to, like do my thing you know get yeah me, you don't want to be a leftist podcaster you want to be a leftist who do a podcast yeah honestly fuck the left <laughs> fuck podcasts. <laughs>